Welcome to BPD FM, the home, the first, no, the home of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl singers, the choir, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl choir. Let's uh, let's hear the the station jingle from them now. We are all unstable, but we like to pretend that this is some kind of deliberate choice that we've made about our lifestyle and personality. I hate. My fucking boyfriend, but I'm afraid that he will leave me. I live my life in deliberate denial of the the, the, the darkness, the holiness that I feel inside my mind. And sometimes I admit to that, usually in a private one-on-one setting. But if it comes up after that or outside of that context, then I'm gonna lose my fucking mind. Or, or, no, even if, if it's in the same context, even if it's like... In the same conversation in which I said it, then I'll still lose my fucking mind. Deny that I ever said anything of the sort. And then I get pissed off because nobody knows what to say after I say that to them. This, it, to my boyfriend is who I said it to. I said it to my boyfriend and he didn't know what to say, so I just... So I got upset at him and I left. And then a couple of days later, I tried to burn down his mum's car. Or at least, like, kind of poured, like, some petrol on it over his mum's car. Because I felt like I might be losing him. And then I'll lose the energy halfway through and send him a text saying, Come out, babe, I'm upset. And then he comes out and sees him and I'm like, Oh, look what I almost did, but isn't it good that I love you so much so then I didn't do it? And he's like, what the fuck? That's actually kind of way weirder. In fact, if, if you had just not told me that you did this, then it would be fine. But I'm crying and I'm like, why aren't you being sympathetic? And he's like, because there's still petrol all over my mum's car, and honestly, if you had never told me that we did this, then I wouldn't wouldn't have even noticed that we were having some trouble or something, apparently. He's like, babe, I think you need to talk to someone, and I'm like, I'm talking to you, why can't you fix this? This is your fault if you can't fix the issue, because we're supposed to be together. See, you don't even care about me, I might as well just kill myself, and it'll be your fault. Thank you. Yes, that's a, it's a very nuanced view of, uh... Certain certain conditions there, uh, yeah. That was that was just my little tribute to uh, the Tramp Stamps. Um, anybody who doesn't know who the Tramp Stamps are, uh, good, good, well done. Um, they've been swarming social media lately for for uh, like all the wrong reasons. So it would appear. Also, I'm very sick. That's why my voice sounds like this. I didn't I didn't put my voice through a pitch shifter. This isn't Willie been Drag Race news. No, um, I'm just sick dog um now the tramp stamps has been in a, an interesting story the last few i don't know days but it must be days of fucking ephemeral social media so i wouldn't know if it was like i'd have forgotten about it already if it was like last week so yeah it's just i don't know yeah if again if you've managed to avoid them well done but i'm going to talk about them anyway so you know you might as well have not because this is still happening uh, it's just, they're, 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 they're kind of presenting themselves as a, as a, as a feminist queer punk band, and, uh, like, well, like, here's, here's, here's the lyrics to their, like, debut single, I think, it's just, it's just called I'd Rather Die. Uh, I can't remember the last time I slept with a guy I actually liked, and he went down on me. Alright, I don't, I don't think that's true, and... Well, why on that in a moment, but, uh, yeah, then, then, I, I can't recall a memory of someone driving me home and not asking for a blowjob. Uh, uh, di- mm. Okay, again, just, 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 
maintain an awareness of those lyrics, and then we'll. Uh, but then the chorus goes, "I'd rather die than hook up with another straight white guy." Um, two of the women in this band are married to white men, and uh, 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 do I need to say anything more than that? It's just. <laughs> Alright, maybe maybe uh, this song was written by the uh, queer member of the band who is a bisexual woman. Alright, let's take that for granted, sure. That, that this is her saying, this is things that have happened to me. Okay, but uh, the band also has links to the manager who sexually assaulted Kesha, allegedly. But also, like, definitely. Uh, like, two, two of them... Uh, definitely signed to them individually, and they, as a group, are signed to uh, a label owned by that manager, uh, Doctor Luke or whatever the fuck his name is. Um, so they're, they're they're just happy to weaponize this kind of shit to make like a a, a girl boss fuck the patriarchy Disney pop punk princess bullshit. But they're 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 fucking enabling an actual abuser, and it's like, what the fuck do you stand for then? You. <laughs> You, you you speak out of one side of your mouth with like all this like woke shit, and then the other half of your mouth is like vomiting money into actual patriarchs, actual toxic males, actual predators. Is it? And uh, yeah, they're trying to. They're obviously trying to weaponize this kind of like Cardi B sex positive feminist kind of thing. Except I don't think that's what Cardi B was actually trying to do. She was just saying what she thought. Whereas this one, it's like, ah, it's it's just so forced. It's just so forced, and it's like. Not to mention they're auto-tuned, possibly one of their greatest sins, but to record, like, punk stuff while also dressed like you just hit the latest JJ's sale with, like, $8 chemist warehouse hair dye in your hair. I don't know, dude. Apparently, in a fan Q&A, they they couldn't even recognize a My Chemical Romance song, so... I don't know, you tell me, are they actually punk? Are they actually sing girls? Are they actually into that kind of thing? Are they emo? Are they goth? Because the evidence would all seem to suggest that they're just doing this because it's a, uh, I don't know, cash grab. Which, uh, like, I don't even talk about the second verse where it's like, uh, what is it? It's, uh, I don't know how you think we're going to fuck when you can't get it up. I'm sick of hearing it's the alcohol. And when you're finally in the mood, it lasts like one or two seconds and then you've done it in one a spoon. It sounds like you molested a person. You got him drunk and molested him when he clearly wasn't into it. Is it yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't really care. It's just... They can live, die, or whatever. I just want them to stop being in my newsfeed. That's the that's that's the main thing that I tend to complain about on this show is just things that appear on my newsfeed that I want to stop appearing on my newsfeed, and I don't know how to use the mute function properly. But I, I just don't want to hear it. I don't care what their image is or what they're trying to do. I don't care if they're going after straight white men. I, they can do whatever. What I care about is how prevalent it is that people can latch onto like an issue they know is easy to win a fight over, like. Toxic masculinity or patriarchy or LGBT discrimination, it's easy to be on the right side of that, particularly when you've scripted the stimuli that precedes it. And yet they still manage to get it wrong by implying that they molested a guy. <laughs> I don't know, it's like it's so easy to write like any scene in a movie or, 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 or song like this where it's like, yeah, if somebody said they, they came up to me and they were like, I don't like gays, and it's like, I would tell that person, no, you're wrong, and here's why. It's like, yeah, it's... A <laughs> Yeah, it's it's you winning an argument that you're having with yourself in the shower. It's 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 Mark Wahlberg saying that he would have uh, uh, overpowered the hijackers on 9/11. It's a, it doesn't matter. Except the difference is in this case, when they're making money out of it, they're making money for damaging people. They're, they're the same way Marvel partners with like the U.S. military agencies agrees to portray them positively always and allows them to use Marvel imagery in like military recruitment ads. 
Like, stand up for what you believe in, and also materially support the lowest form of scum in the biggest fucking danger to the known universe. Subscribe to The West Australian, we're partnered with UN Women Australia, and also publish any toxic, racist, genocide-denying, xenophobic bullshit Andrew Bolt wants to spew. Yeah. Ah, oh, whatever, dude. And I think that's, uh, that's how we, uh, we, we, we strike back at them. We, um, like, they start making songs like this, delivering money to, like, sex predators, then I say that we just, like, I say we, we, we form a lot of, like, NSYNC Backstreet Boys style boy bands and just start writing songs about crazy ex-girlfriends with borderline personality disorder. And then when they're like, oh, this is problematic, you're making, th you ba you're doing generalizations about women, then we just use that same excuse of being like, no, we just all just realized that we'd all had the same experience. Um, and, and we thought, you know, nobody had really given voice to that. And so we thought we should. We thought we should put, put that message to song and, and let people hear it. And maybe donate the proceeds to women or something. Like, I guess they donate some of their money to a sex predator, so I guess we donate it to, I don't know, the cops? Well, that can't be right. I don't know, maybe there's like Chris Hansen. We go to Chris Hansen's to catch a predator. We, we bring that back. We use all of our proceeds from those songs to bring back Chris Hansen's to catch a predator and send him after music managers. I think that'll work out great. <laughs> Hello and welcome to We Live in Drag Race. Uh, this week we're just going to do something different. We're, we're, we're getting back to basics in that Lewin isn't here. And so, yeah, I think in the meantime, what's been uh, happening in the world? Let's deliver some takes from the mind of a 27-year-old of a, of a hospo. Uh, well, it's, a, it's, a, it's another week, another spate of mass shootings in America. Um, I don't... Oh. <laughs> They're not going to do anything about it. That's, it's like there was three in one day, and that was completely out of the news cycle immediately. Like that, just it didn't even last a day before they just went. Oh well, okay, off it goes. But they went. Oh, yep. All right. Ah, oh, shame. Oh no. Okay. Anyway, on on to Derek Chauvin. Which yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Good reason. But still, that's. <laughs> A whole bunch of people that died. It, uh, I don't know that country, man. It's just, they just watched five hundred thousand people die, and did nothing about, it. like just just saying like, oh no, this is terrible. And then every place that's like liberal holdouts of America just also didn't do anything. New York was as bad as any other place because I don't know, man. It's just that country is weak. It's just weak willed. The people just do not have the will to change anything except uh, for the people. Well, the people who want to make things worse, they seem fine. They seem to know what they want. They're getting it. It's just how are people just not taking pot shots at just like every politi every idiot politician, journalist, and I, I don't understand how there's so many people that can do a mass shooting and just go, I'm going to kill just anyone. And so few going like, I am specifically going to kill Ted Cruz, Nancy Pelosi, Kristen Cinema, who, whoever else. Just <laughs> fuck that country, man. I just, it's, they're all like fully ready to die. They're just ready to die. And their only concern is like being a good person until that happens. It's like I could walk out the street and just be killed while going out for cigarettes I, I could go to the liquor store across the road and not come back, just be dead. But I was a good person, and I didn't get angry in that time, so it's fine. It's just, 
like those Marvel films, Disney films, NBC, the CBS sitcoms that just teach these people like the only sin you can commit is being angry at the terrible things that are being done to you. <laughs> I genuinely think that it's broken people's brains. It's just like yeah, you, you know what? Sometimes you just got to be a piece of shit. Like sometimes you just got to be a piece of shit. Sometimes you just got to go like no, this isn't good enough. I want something better and I'm going to go and get it. I'm going to take it. It just how how was there only one Unabomber? Right, like, given that the Unabomber was so good at making mail bombs without any real, like, I don't know, experience in making mail bombs until he started making mail bombs, and then he just did it with, like, basic stuff that you could get as just a recluse with no specific special licenses or whatever, like, surely someone else could have figured out how to do that and kept doing that to the people that are actually rotting the country. It just, I don't know, somebody... Somebody needs to do something like that. Just keep mailing bombs. Make these people afraid or something. I don't know. You know. All right. You want to know exactly what I mean? So the Derek Derek Chauvin, Derek Chauvin, the however the fuck you pronounce it. It's not worth pronouncing. He's a fucking demon. Uh, the guy who killed George Floyd last year. You remember that? The 2020 flashbacks. The hell year on this hell world or whatever fucking idiot Americans say. So Chauvin got found guilty of like manslaughter uh you know kneeled on the neck of a guy who was gasping i can't breathe until he died so yeah i guess that's as good of news as you can expect is that like yeah he was found guilty and uh he'll probably get something like 12 years probably get overturned on appeal which yeah i mean there's something fucked up about that system the system of appeals in the first place like yeah you have to prove to a jury of your peers 12 peers blah 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 then it gets forwarded on to judges who are appointed by politicians who don't necessarily consider their, like, legal acumen or expertise or whatever in that appointment. And then the judges are... I mean, the judges are just as capable as anybody else of being just greedy, corrupt, personally prejudiced people. I look up the Stephen Donster case for, for more on that. But yeah, whatever. We gotta get, we'll get a guilty verdict for now. That's fine. Um, but, like, the killer from cruising is going to get handed a comparatively minute sentence to settle a political issue for the moment until it's repealed uh and then and then to celebrate this to celebrate this uh, landmark sentencing thing out comes nancy pelosi girl boss of the good guys of america the super the the avengers of politics the democrats there and here's what she had to say thank you george floyd for sacrificing your life for justice because of you and because of thousands, millions of people around the world who came out for justice, your name will always be synonymous with justice. The man was murdered. He was murdered. God bless all the girls Ted Bundy murdered. Their names are synonymous with justice. Oh, God, I don't know, maybe that's a faulty analogy, I don't know. <laughs> the guy wasn't a political figure, he was a, he was a guy who went to the shops to get some cigarettes and came out dead. Like, it just, they're just monsters, they're just, she doesn't even see, like, people as humans, as, as, as people with, like, minds, or, or, or just wanting to live a life, it's just like, they just see, like, political factions, there's no humanity to it, it's just... George Floyd equals Black Lives Matter equals uh, gotta cozy up to them to look good, kneel in a kente cloth and just say whatever 
uh, like just try to deliver a platitude and even the platitude is 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 fucking horrible it just... <clears throat> i don't know man i don't know what the mindset is it's like it's like they think that like virtue comes directly from adversity or something and like because bad things happen to you you're a good person it's just, i don't know it's like i like, guess you, you you have to like have an equal an opposite reaction to the people who think like like uh, being good makes good things happen to you like prosperity doctrine freaks like our glorious prime minister like like you are rewarded with good things like money because you're a good person and people who have nothing have nothing because they're bad and it's like yeah i mean i mean this way where it's like you know poor people are actually getting building character basically but it's like yeah, if if you have some sense of guilt about being like relatively well off, you can look at all these people suffering in squalor, and you can say to yourself, "Well, well, yeah, they're better off for it. They're going to become better people. They're going to become better people and morally good people. And you know, and I'll never be as strong as them." Which just excuses yourself. It's like just as sociopathic as the prosperity doctrine freaks, but you get to pretend that you're just not ignoring your sense of empathy and 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 that it's not a choice that you're not helping you're actually helping more by doing absolutely nothing to help right and if and if somebody happens to die because of a system that you benefit from it's like well that was his soul's purpose that was another thing that i saw this another tweet that i saw that was like this was his soul's purpose he changed the world it's like he died. He he was just a guy. He ah. Uh. <coughs> but thank God George Floyd sacrificed himself bravely for justice. Oh, I don't know, man. That that country needs to die. Just burn it down. Mail bombs. Public executions for the guillotine. I don't give a shit. Just do the purge. Do the purge. Just do the purge. All the libertarians. All the the the, the alt leftists. What? Just. Gang up, take down the cops, it's legal to do it, just do something, like, god damn, man, it's just, oh, yeah, nah, that's enough of that country, it's just depressing to think about, alright, uh, so that, 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 the Byron Bay's series is coming, that's another thing, that's Australian, yeah, uh, the, the Byron, Byron Bay's of, of Byron Bay are getting a reality TV show, and, uh, the Byron Bay's of Byron Bay aren't actually happy about that, apparently, like, uh, you know they want to do they want to do this series about uh, Instagram influencers who live in Byron Bay, and the other people who live in Byron Bay who aren't Instagram influencers just don't you know they're not okay with that. Cause, like I rem- remember a few years ago when the 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 Biggest Loser the show the Biggest Loser went to Ararat Victoria because it was Australia's fattest town for the in the first place. I can't believe that Ararat signed off on that. Just like yep, they're coming to our town, the fattest town in the country and they're just going to publicly talk about how fat our town is for the next three months however long a series of that last three months two months whatever uh but yeah byron is afraid they're going to be made to look like a pretentious heap of idiot influences or whatever and i yeah i mean yeah like if if somebody was coming to film my like neighborhood uh, specifically based on like I don't know a girl who lives across the street who is an Instagram influencer. Yeah, I'd be I'd be pretty pissed off too. I'd be pretty de- hesitant. Like, I think the Byron residents are pretty right to be suspicious, right to object, and the fact that they are all just you know they're like all like rich scumbags 
who we should eat. Yeah, the you know aside from that, it just yeah, of course they should oppose this. Nobody should want a reality show filmed in their neighborhood. Nobody would want a reality show. They're fucking awful. But like, yeah, that's not that. If that's not really my area of interest in this story, what I found interesting was Andrew Bolt weighing in. Uh, so yeah, Bolt, Bolty, Bolt, Boltaroo, Boltong strips. He he he's uh, decided to take this uh, cause up on behalf of him. Yeah, just let me let me let me make sure I get this right. On behalf of the working class, Bolty Bolty Bolty's doing this because as he sees it, the reason that Byron elites wouldn't want people to see Byron like that is because they don't want their community to look too accessible. So they're protesting on the streets of Byron to stop povos from being able to see Byron. Like <laughs> I mean, they also protested 5G towers and the vaccine rollout, so, yeah, I don't know, like, like I said a couple of weeks ago, I think, like, Australia's obsession with, like, reality shows, or at least the, the, the kind of initial draw of them is to that, yeah, they universally just depict these absolute dog brain idiots who think they're better than normal people. And Byron Bay is obviously a top-notch target of that. So, yeah, I, I, I get that. I get the appeal, at least. But that's not why he wants to see them. He thinks it's, he, he thinks it's class warfare. He thinks... Is, yeah, between him... He brought some person on the show and was like, a, I don't know, a, the representative of some uh, fucking idiot who thinks that a good way to raise their profile is going on the Bolt Report. And imagine that. Andrew Bolt, the voice of the working class. Like, fucking... Okay. When I asked my dad, like, when I was a kid, I said, like, what's the difference between Labour and the Liberals? And he goes, uh, well, Labour generally represents the workers, Liberals represents the bosses, the business owners, that kind of thing. I said, well, why would people vote, like, Liberal then? Because presumably there's a shit ton more workers than there are bosses, and he didn't have an answer for me. And, like, like it was like, oh, you're too young to explain this. But nobody's come up with something that makes me think of the, the, the two parties in any different sense to that. Like, there's exceptions to the rule there was that labor scumbag premier i think that who was responsible for that wa inc bullshit which i still can't get a straight answer on what exactly happened there dad just gets too smug within five seconds i'm like no i'm not listening to this it just there's something about this explanation that i'm not liking there's something wrong with this but yeah basically it's that he was uh it was a pro-business labor premier who tried to benefit bosses and business owners who he was friends with that, you know, ended up fucking up everybody. All, all of this just to say, if you're looking for the voice of the working class, this pro-liberal conservative fucking idiots aren't, aren't, aren't the way to go. Just somewhere along the line, they, they, they'd learn to dress up their pro-corporate bullshit idiot ideas about how the economy works and staple it to ideas which are digestible to the working class people like the, the whole franking credits thing it's like well taxing old people more is actually classism taxing people who actually own property and have savings to try and provide basic services to get us out of the mountains of debt the liberals have created through chronic economic mismanagement and giveaways to corporations no no that's actually classism to go after the old people who actually own shit no no no. there's definitely not the only way that anybody under 40 will ever be able to afford a house we're just going to put we're going to give you a grant and you can you can get like 40 10 to 40 grand for your new house for your first house never mind that the housing prices seem to go up by well above that year after year yeah, I don't, I don't even have, like, an argument there. It's just stupid to rely on Andrew Bolt for anything. It's stupid that they're making this series. It's stupid that they're protesting it. 
it's stupid to even like examine why they're protesting it beyond I don't want a reality show filmed in my neighborhood. They're going to make us look like idiots, which they are. That's what those shows are for. You wouldn't want one in your house. Oh, fuck, I don't care. Yeah, what else has been happening? Who knows? I can't pay attention to anything these days. It, it's, my hours are so fucked. Like, <laughs> on Saturday, I had to work like 9 p.m. till like 4 a.m. And then by that point, I was so fucked. It was like, oh, I'll have a drink with the other staff. Although, although I will say, like my boss the other day, I don't know exactly what precipitated this. I started talking. <laughs> Uh, he's, he's not been, I've not been getting along with him. And in that, like, yeah, he'll like tell me to do something that there's like no reason that I should know to do. Like, oh, these gins up on the shelf are in the wrong order. Why would I know that? I've been here for less than a, why would I know that? Uh, the, The mirror in the bathroom hasn't been polished. Why would I think that's my job? I'm a bartender. And I didn't do that anyway. I didn't go polish the mirror in the bathroom. I'm not a fucking idiot. Like, that's... <laughs> do it yourself. Why would I do that? You know, I'd say hire a cleaner, but no. Do, you don't... Obviously don't need a cleaner. Just do it yourself. You can... You Are you incapable of figuring out where the Windex is? I don't know. Why... Why would I be going in and checking the bathroom to make sure the mirrors are clean every three minutes? You moron. But, yeah. So, the other night, I don't know exactly what it was that... Uh, precipitated this. I don't know how it got to this point, but I mentioned cruising. I mentioned that movie cruising that we did last week, Al Pacino cruising. Uh, and like, he knows the movie and like, he just, he, he basically views it as a comedy. He's not, he's not exactly the woke sort, but, uh, yeah, like he, he, uh, he, he couldn't give less of a shit about it's like problematicness. He just thinks it's funny. So yeah, just moving past, I just, I started talking about it, I was like, you know, just repeating bits from our episode, basically, just being like, oh, do you reckon there's a cruising scene in Perth, do you reckon if you went to King's Park, you, oh, you could give the DNA Tower a whole new meaning, like, all of that just delivered as though I was thinking of it for the first time, which is kind of sociopathic, but whatever, it doesn't matter, because now he loves me, alright, it just it went from, like, him just having, like, open contempt for me, to now just being, like, buddy-buddy, like, he, like, yeah, nudges me as he walks past and he's like, oh, I see any uh, leather, leather, leather daddy boys here? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, crazy the professional parts this pod is opening up for me. <laughs> Not the ones I had in mind, but absolutely. It just, whatever, man. I mean, it's just whatever. Like, if, if anything, like the, 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 this kind of that volatile, that mercurial shit where it doesn't even matter if I'm a, uh, if like I'm a good employee or I'm doing the job better or whatever, it just, it doesn't, it's not as important as whether I can come up with a good, like, slightly, but not openly homophobic joke about cruising, it's fucking, like, whatever, it's just, uh, if anything, this makes me feel so much better about being in the union, like, I don't know, what was my point? Oh, right, yeah, it's that, I'd, I'd kind of forgotten, uh, what it's like to work with people, right, not, like, like, you know, people are like, oh, work, it can be good for your social skills. This is like LinkedIn article bullshit. Like, work is good for your social skills because you develop relationships with people you would never otherwise speak to. But goddamn. I met this girl over the last couple of weeks at working, and there's... Uh, I just cannot stand her. I don't know what... Like, it's she's a lovely person. She's There's nothing wrong with her. She's bright. She's happy, always smiling, wants to get along with everyone. But I can't take a conversation with her. It's just, it's just references to memes from 2010, like the the the, the ASDF 
videos, shit like that getting quoted like out of nowhere. Apropos of nothing, just showing me photos of her, like how she used to look and being like, this is how I used to look. Don't I look better now? And I'm like, I, I, what? I don't know who you are. I I've known you for under 12 cumulative hours over the two weeks. Like it just... Like, is there something, like, people say, like, oh, well, maybe there's something that you recognize about yourself that you don't like to see in hers. Like, oh, yeah, sure, maybe the cringe ASDF references, but I haven't done those references in years. Like, uh, I, I, I know the type. It's like, it's like Tumblr people, right? Like, it's, it's, I know some of those people. I get along with some of those people. <coughs> but also, you can see just how, like, cringy they can get. Like, there's that stand-up thing. Like, somebody posted a stand-up clip of somebody, like, at an open mic night that just, it was like Tumblr humor just directly set into a microphone. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm sorry. This is open mic night, not an anime convention. What the heck was I thinking? <laughs> <coughs> but I don't know what it is that it just this person in particular, I can't fucking take it. I can't take it. I just, like, is there something... Like, and I'm a cringy person. I'm a cringy person too, right? Like, like I've gotten real good at just repressing, like, my own urge to enjoy things that I know I enjoy, that I know I'm having a good, that I know I'm entertained by, and I can't, like, break through to just enjoying them again. It's always separated by, like, an element of, like, ah, of, like, cringing at myself, of screaming at myself in the shower over a memory from, like, year three where I'm like, why did you say that? Because maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just, like... I hear somebody making an ASDF movie reference, and I'm like, oh, fuck, I like that movie, I get that joke, but it's been way too long for me to bring that up in public, and if somebody else does it, then I'm gonna, you know, pretend that I have no idea what it is. I've repressed that from myself, so why can't you also do that? Like, it was, it was fine, like, the first shift, like, we were talking, like, it's that kind of, you know, the job interview pretense when you're still in that mode of just like oh yes i am very normal i'm a normal person with normal thoughts and normal beliefs and then just suddenly 16 work hours later you get, they get to the point where they just start stripping away you know that that job interview pretense and you realize the person from the first shift is never turning up to work again it just a lot i go the other way i go i start out as just like bumbling incompetent and awkward can't hold a conversation properly with anybody and then I slowly get comfortable and then like connect with other people and then I get in good with them by learning that, you know, you can just make a, 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 a joke about cruising where the word gay is the punchline. I don't know. It's just my own hangups, man. Uh, I gotta, I gotta find a way to get past this. But it, yeah, it, it, in, in this case, it's just like, I don't want to know anything more about you than I do already. I, I, I want to be able to get along with you for as long as I have to do this job. If you got a dog, show me pictures of your dog. That's like a, that's an impersonal thing that we can all enjoy. If you want to show me the new the new haircut that you want to get, what the fuck? I don't want to. Am I a part of this decision? What's going on? I don't. <laughs> am I supposed to say like, uh, 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 oh, that look great on you? Well, yeah, probably, probably that is the uh, response that you probably would want to have. But I don't want to. I don't want to be friends with these people. I don't. I don't want to leave a lasting impression on them. I don't want to connect with you on a human level. I want to be as as comfortable. I want to get along with you as well as I have to to be comfortable for the hours that I have to work for this place. And then when I want to leave, I want to be able to do that just without like having to like tearfully say goodbye. I don't want to hug anybody on my way out the door. 
I think that's what it is. It's just any sense that I pick up that somebody wants to be friends or have me know them any more than strictly necessary for me to have to operate within a couple of meters of them. Just not interested in that. I just have no interest in that. I will have a drink with you after work and then I will leave. All right. I'm not going to sit around until 7am talking about your relationship with your ex. Oh, that was good. That was, this is way better than therapy, I think. Uh, talking to nobody. <laughs> talking to nobody and coming out with the most toxic conclusions to any of the issues that are just highly personal and not relatable to anybody. Uh, what else have we got? The, the milkshake consent ad, that was dog shit. I really have nothing to say. I just did not understand what the fuck it was. <laughs> There's like mixed metaphors of like milkshakes splattered on your face. Did you like that? I bet you liked it. This is going too far. Like, yeah, because you look like a sociopath. It just, there's no subtlety or nuance to the understanding of the issues. But fuck, that was that sucked. That sucked. Like, it sucked so much that it's hard to believe that it wasn't on purpose, which maybe it was. Maybe it was. Like, the only justification for this existing is they wanted it to be like, as everybody's criticizing them for their, like, toxic environment in, in Parliament House, that they wanted to, like, be like, well, you try to explain it then, all right? You try to explain it. Look, this is the best that the people that we outsourced it to could do. And it's just nonsense. And it cost $1.8 million. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just they sent it out to, like, an advertising firm or something, because that would kind of make sense. I don't... I've been watching, like, 7-plus shows, and, uh, you know, they have, like, full series of stuff like uh, uh, Smallville, all of the, like, teen drama shows from the 2000s. Premium, premium quality service. Highly recommend. Starting to seem like I'm doing sponsored content at this point. But, yeah, like, they, they play ads on it because it's free. They have, like, their complete series of all these shows, but there's ads. And so the ads keep playing, like, every... 20 minutes and I haven't seen ads in years like I just see YouTube ads which are like five seconds long and so repetitive that you can't even, you're not even like intaking any information from it like they do the surveys sometimes and they're like have you seen an ad recently from this sponsor I'm like no no I don't think so and then it's been the exact same thing that I've watched like 17 times but god some of the ads are some of the TV ads are dog shit like not just for the shows it's like for for banks or insurance companies or something whatever that one with the meat pie is with the dialogue is so sloppily done that they can't even deliver a punchline without getting mixed up in their words and like wow you are good for something as a pie well i'm good for something but it's not for eating so you get more of the things you actually need like routine dental yeah you're good at explaining things it's what i was made for because i wasn't made for eating it's like you had at least 13 words that were unnecessary for that joke in there. Where's the efficiency? Where's the effi Who got paid for this? Who got paid to write this script? Whatever that Combank app vantage ad is, just, just a mix of cringe dad lines, which, okay, that's kind of what it's going for, and then, like, somebody being like, oh, I can't deal. I can't even deal. Sounds like an app vantage. <laughs> yeah, very app vantage. <laughs> app vantage us. <laughs> oh, I can't deal. <laughs> So, yeah, milkshake ad, um, it's like, if that was their intention, good job, honestly, like, it, it confused me about the nature of consent more than anything, it's like, I didn't get it, but adult people didn't get it while they were watching it, and, like, imagine trying to explain that to a kid, <laughs> like, okay, that's about touching people on the bum, and they're like, oh, wait, what? 
What? What? <laughs> well, I'm gonna talk to my like high school cousins and see what they thought about it. I want to see if they could if they could pick up what it was putting down because I didn't. So what I was gonna talk about today was some uh, the Disney Plus dog shit show that I watched the first episode of, and um, to be clear, I still fucking hate it. Just this banal series. It's called Big Shot. Alright, one of the worst things I've ever seen. Not not even like, you know, the, the, the room level kind of bad, where it's so patently bad that, you know, it doesn't even look like a professional job, but this, this shit was like, like, because it looks polished and professional, and because some of the actors are kind of recognisable, there's going to be fans of it who are like, this is amazing, this fucking slaps. Like, but it's a disgrace to TV. It's a disgrace to media. It's about a coach who's played by John Stamos who gets fired from his college basketball coaching job and now he has to coach a women's high school team and it's just, ugh. Like his, 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 uh, I've got a little supercut that I made of all the best jokes in the show. Look, we don't love whistles. They can be triggering. Okay then. A pseudo-balberry what? But we don't believe in labels. Labeling and whistles. Right? Like, sign me up. I love it when old white dudes point out my flaws. Right? And what was with that stand on one foot, rub your belly, and touch your toe? Put your right foot in, take your right foot out. That's what I'm all about. <laughs> Kicks Louise off the team, calls you super fat. He said five pounds. He made light of your incurable brain thing. Guys, that's mostly just an excuse to get extra time on tests. Ew. Are you saying you stay in corn? He's kind of cute. He's a thousand. Uh, no one lives to a thousand. That loss was better than any win we have ever had. That's right. Seven jokes. Seven jokes, and one of them wasn't even supposed to be a joke. It was supposed to be a genuine, sincere moment, but it just was so cringe that I laughed out loud, so maybe you did too. But ugh. They got halfway through recording something about that and then I just got nah I just, I just couldn't do it anymore I'm also attaching the supercut of me the, the the amount of times that I groaned while trying to record that so oh it's god damn it just oh come on yeah so it's just the show just fucking like cynically ropes in all these things about identity and toxic masculinity and body shaming to just raise them as like temporary obstacles for the main character to just bulldoze his way through like if it was if it was at least trying to make like a kind of reactionary point and just say, like, these things aren't real, this shouldn't matter to you, then there's no difference between how you would treat it if you were making that show and how it actually does in this show, which is pretending to be woke, right? Like, it's just words like triggering and body shaming and characters thinking that other characters are gay are all just raised and then immediately dismissed within moments as not important, particularly when half of them are framed as just like, oh, yeah, of course uh, this these teenage girls think that they're gay or that you body shamed them or or they literally sexually harass you, Coach John Stamos, within two minutes of meeting you. That's to be expected because they're teenage girls. 
which is a more fucking damaging message about teenage girls and gay people and victims of body shaming that ah uh, whatever it's a, it's a kind of show that ticks off every like like Bechdel test, Duvernay test, Smurfette principle kind of checklist of things you have to do for your series to be sufficiently woke. But with like this sickness where all these issues are just are just tokens to create drama or jokes which can be raised and then settled within five minutes. The thing is, it's so bad, it's so dog shit terrible that it should just be obvious to these fucking idiot critics that are like, I have loved everything that Disney has produced since 2003, including sex pest John Lasseter of, uh, of Pixar and uh, Harvey Weinstein, actually. Yeah, little little bit of Hollywood trivia there. Uh, Disney-owned Merrimax gave the Weinsteins uh, millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars, ignoring reports from staff about uh, Weinstein's harassment, allegedly, um, enabled their reign of sexual terror. Yeah, so, but yeah, it, it, it should be obvious, right, how bad this is. That is at, at this point, I just assume that anybody who would watch this shit-tier Disney Plus garbage and would like it, it's not even worth me having a go at them. They're living their lives, I don't want anything to do with them. I'd only convince maybe 5% of them that this is, in fact, garbage, problematic stuff. And then they just watch it again to check, and Disney would get their money anyway. But then last night, yeah, so yeah, I was going to do this show, but then last night I finally got around to watching something that I hadn't gotten around to watching that I wanted to, but yeah, I watched it, and after I finished watching it, yeah, I couldn't have given less of a shit about this corporate plastic Disney bullshit, you know. Again, if people watch that, they find it entertaining, whatever. I have no respect for you and you're dead to me, but it's whatever, live your life. Um, Okay, so the movie that I am going to talk about is David Ozit's documentary, Mayor. And I know I said... Documentaries possess no radness except for Louis Theroux, um, therefore they can't really fit under the umbrella of Channel 7 movies, but I've, I've got to make an exception for this because this movie genuinely messed me up for a good few hours. It's still ongoing, actually. It's still... So I don't even, like, necessarily know how to talk about this kind of movie. It's very... Yeah, it's a very different kind of movie from the ones that we would normally cover on this show and definitely ones that I would, like watch or even just talk about with friends so i'm not really sure how to talk about it but i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna do my best to kind of recap it a little bit um all right so just in short it's about uh the the mayor of uh ramallah in palestine's west bank uh 10 kilometers away from the border between israeli and palestinian territory so it's a mayor his name is uh musa khadid and basically just covers his, like, day-to-day attempts to keep this city going. Like, he's just, he's, he's a mu- head of the municipal government, so his job is just literally him having to walk around the city, talking to citizens, and putting out fires, having just awful parks and rec-level meetings about things like city branding and the logistics of lighting the Christmas tree. And, well, the, that, that, okay, there's one thing. Everyone knows Palestine, Arabic country, right? Backwards, savage, terrorist people. Well, uh, no, all right? They're actually uh, not. <coughs> it was racist of you to think that and definitely not patronizing of me to think that you would think that <coughs> and that's one of the things that this movie takes like a lot of pains to try and point out is that they're, they're not it's not some savage desert place it's a it's a city it's a modern city with internet and kfc and and electric vehicle charging stations kids go to school the problems with the schools are things like the paint on the walls is the wrong color the door jams are a bit dodgy those are the problems that Hadid mainly has to deal with. But the catch is, he's doing this under this horrific, violent, occupying force which invades the city like every other day and just guns down kids. Now, they can literally see the Israeli settlers who've built up on a hill just outside the city limits 
so the view of every tall building in the city always has them right there and like there's another like they're not used to it they're kind of jaded to this kind of like dehumanizing oppression that the, the, the citizens are just like standing there and watching there's just nothing they can do to resist so they just stand there and watch and make jokes about it and that's another thing that stands out it's not like it's it's very funny like it's not, and it's not filmed or edited like a documentary like there's no talking heads there's no jerky camera movements there's no voiceover or, or narration talking about what's happening and why it's happening and the history of the region it's just fly on the wall style to the extent that like for a lot of it you forget that it's a documentary at all particularly because so many of the quotes from the subjects and the characters are so fucking funny like the just the bizarre people they meet the weird ways they talk to each other the things that happen the way that we the way that the people respond to it it's genuinely like you kind of forget that these are real people but what's really good about that is that style is that it's not pretending to be like the objective truth of the situation over there it's not pretending to be like you know the most widely sweeping condemnation of this uh, regime it's just it's it's just the story of like one guy from the point of view of that one guy who's just trying to do his best in a situation that is absolutely fucked beyond belief like this claustrophobic view of a world where even like you know the massive geopolitical settings about like oh how did britain affect our history it's just no that's the kind of conversation that are relegated to like grumpy dudes complaining in the corner of the room and nobody's paying attention to them because it's just so far removed from the actual reality of their day-to-day lives just this existential dread that they're living through so it's mainly like focused on this question of like how do you continue to try and keep a functioning society or at least the pretense of one when you just have to deal with all this shit constantly and the way they do that is mainly by just going into the pretense. It's just at all times they're trying their best, uh, Khadid especially, is trying his best to maintain this facade that everything is okay and he has it under control and everyone just has to, just has to keep on keeping on. So that means running around town, just kissing hands and shaking babies. But at every turn, there's just something about the occupation that means he can't do his job effectively because he just doesn't have the power, the support, or any kind of resources that allow him to triumph over any of his obstacles. So uh, let's get into it. All right. So it starts with uh, Khadid in this meeting, and uh, they're talking about the city's slogan, which is supposed to say, We Ramallah, but the R is made bigger because it's supposed to say, We are Ramallah. But nobody actually understands that's what it says. Uh, and it's like something that recurs a few times throughout the movie that somebody made a bad call a few years ago on the city slogan and they can't fix it because these signs are everywhere and nobody, especially the like largely Arabic-speaking population, actually understands that's what it's supposed to say. So, yeah, like from the get-go, there's this real kind of deadpan humour to it, to everything that's being said, like this kind of Parks and Rec kind of humour to it. Um... So the initial scenes are Khadid basically planning out his, like, lighting of the Christmas tree at the centre of town. Uh, Ramallah, I don't think it's majority Christian, but it has a significant Christian population, and I think Khadid himself is, and that's enough to merit that they have this lighting of the Christmas tree that is just ridiculously elaborate. There's, like, fireworks, there's Santas abseiling off of the rooftops of apartment buildings, there's this obnoxious kind of techno remix Christmas carols blaring on giant speakers in the background. There's a flash mob dancing in front of the tree. And yeah, there's like this completely ridiculous thing that has been painstakingly choreographed all by Maya Khadid. Um, so yeah, Maya Khadid uh, initially comes across as this like 
detached weirdo just prioritizing this ridiculous display for Christmas and it's really hammered home in the next few scenes because basically shortly after the lighting of the Christmas tree, uh, Trump announces that he's moving the embassy to Jerusalem. It, it, this is in 2017, I think, uh, which officially recognizes Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. So, uh, yeah, just as far as background goes, uh, like... Israel and Palestine have been fighting over who Jerusalem belongs to for decades. It's a holy site to the Muslim and the Jewish people and Christian people as well. It's been at the center of why most negotiations efforts keep failing between the two states. It used to be basically partitioned between Muslim and Jewish populations, but then Israel annexed it illegally in 1967 during a war with Egypt, despite it being illegal and it having been illegal ever since then and it being recognized internationally as being an illegal occupation, they just won't move, and nobody's willing to do anything about it except sell them more arms and deliver them billions of foreign aid. But that's not the point. Uh, the movie doesn't get into that. It doesn't need to, because it basically just sums it up in the next scenes, which is the Palestinians starting to protest throughout their territory uh, and in Ramallah. Uh, so this leads to another meeting. The city security has determined that the Christmas tree might be a target for threats, so they had to start turning the lights off at night. And Khadid basically says, like, we've, we, we, we have to make this decision. Uh, does anyone else have any thoughts what, what we should say about this as a city? And <laughs> another person on the city council basically says, like, oh, we should, um, you know what, we should use it and we should put up a light on the Christmas tree that says Jerusalem is the capital of Palestine. And Khadid is just like, uh, I, think, I think we're supposed to provide municipal services first and political messaging Probably second. And uh, around this time is when we also first see the Israelis. Again, under, under international law, the Israeli forces, the IDF, they're not allowed in Palestinian territory. The deployment of the troops in that territory is an illegal act. But they just do it. They just do it whenever they feel like. So when they're first seen, basically, Khadid is driving around in a van and they just stop by a hillside and look down and just see all these Israeli soldiers just shooting down kids, just teenagers. And then the soldiers turn and look up and start coming towards where all the onlookers are and they just get the fuck back into the car and get the fuck out of there and like try to keep an eye on what's going on. And yep, soon just tanks and armored vehicles start rolling into the city firing tear gas. There's just gunfire echoing throughout it. And Khadid just has to watch it all. There's, there's just nothing he can do. Like, I don't know, man. This is what, like, the movie keeps you constantly with Khadid, like seeing all this through his eyes and it's like, He's just as powerless as you are to stop any of this. Like, I don't, I don't know. There's this kind of, like, sickness to it. That there's just nothing you can do. All you can do is just watch these disgusting things being done to these people. And it makes Hadid, as the movie goes on, just this incredibly interesting character. Like, he's, he's, he's smart. He's kind of funny. He's friendly. He genuinely loves his people and his city. But he's also just so bemused by what's happening like he's fully aware that just this injustice being done to him and his people and there's just nothing he can do about it like he just has to keep going he just has to keep trying to keep the city running and he's like it's a, he's not a hero he's not a great inspiring leader he's not the one that's going to lead them to victory he's just a guy just trying to do a job and it's not a glamorous job it's not a job he even seems to especially enjoy in a lot of times like there's so many scenes where he just like can collapses into a chair and hits his vape and just looks like he wants to die. And like I read one review where it was like, oh, it's it's such a glowing view of him. He's just made to look perfect. But yeah, it really isn't that. It's just it is a man who is totally powerless but has to pretend to be in control all the time. 
And part of that is what he's doing is so basic. It's just stuff that we would take for granted that somebody would do that he has to fight like absolute hell to get even that. So, yeah, we get into that in the next few scenes. And it's really just like the day-by-day stuff here. And it's like there's a sewage main overflowing into the streets. And the the repair trucks that they've called in to fix it have been stuck at an Israeli checkpoint and can't get past. So all they can do is like get a hose and start sweeping this shit down the road. He like drives around and finds his dumpster on fire. Nobody knows who started the fire. There's just one guy with a garden hose trying kind of helplessly to put it out. Fantastic metaphor for the film. There's a farmer who's had his land and his drinking water poisoned by Israeli settlers who are running their wastewater into it, which is slowly killing his livestock and poisoning their water. Uh, he's tried to sort it out through like the official channels, which just means like filing a report with some bureaucratic entity, which presumably also won't do anything to stop it. It's just this constant kind of deadpan, banal suffering that nobody can really do anything about, and everyone's just constantly defeated just from being kicked in the balls just again and again and again. Um, and then we get a glimpse of, like, Hadid's home life. Like, he's got a wife and two daughters, and they're so painfully normal. Like, you see photos of them as, like, young people, and besides the fact that they're Palestinian, it's like, yeah, they were into, like, the 80s fashion trends. They were taking cringy photos together. Like, uh, there's one shot of Hadid when he's at home, like, there's just a long shot of him, like, fiddling around with a keyboard, playing a song, while his daughter is just lounging around on the couch, just doing nothing on her MacBook. Like, yeah, the, the, the characters are just so normal, just no, just trying to live normal lives, which makes it so much harder when, like, stuff like constant threat is, like, always in the periphery. So, Khadid receives a visit from a German delegation, German government delegation, and basically the conversation keeps going like this. Uh, the Germans say things like, uh, oh, so what we're trying to do is bring Israelis and Palestinians together to educate the public about, about these things. So, you know, would you be okay with just, like, sitting down, having a chat, and taking photos? And Hadid says, like, why? What is the point of that? Like, to, to have cameras pointed at us and be like, oh, look, we're negotiating, we're ready for peace. It doesn't matter like, it's, it's a lie, because Israel's position won't change, and just gets worse. They have not stopped illegally occupying the territory. They're still killing children as frequently as they feel like it. Like, we're ready to sit down with our oppressors and let them tell us what they want. No. Like the Germans say, like, well, okay, we get that. Uh, it's not the right time just yet, maybe. But, you know, so what has to happen for you in order to get to that level where that is what you will do? And <laughs> one of Hadid's... One of Khadid's uh, cabinet members is sitting there and just he just gets like frustrated. You can just see it on his face. And he's just like, you know, in 2002, Israel illegally invaded this place, th- this land, this territory, and destroyed buildings, destroyed government buildings, des- destroyed part of the city hall where they're sitting and having that meeting. Like, it got partially demolished, and they suffered nothing for that. They got no repercussions. Another example was the cemetery. The- it took Israel... 15 years to approve a permit so that they could build a cemetery for their city on their land presumably mainly to contain the bodies of the victims of israel and 15 years it took them to get that permit before they could start yeah it's just and 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 they can go anywhere they want in the world they can travel to they can go to the airport they can travel to canada they can travel to usa they can travel to australia they can travel to germany but they can't go to Jerusalem, their land, their recognized land, in a city that is less than 10 kilometers away because Israel is still fucking sitting on top of it. 
So the Germans like kind of push back and they're like, oh yeah, well that makes so you know you have the right to to resist if you're under occupation you have to resist. But is this really a viable strategy going forward? And then Khadid like he he kind of delivers like the center point of this movie, which is like it's about dignity. Okay, you're asking me to sit there with cameras pointed at me and try to get along and pretend like we're equals when at any moment for any reason I might have to strip naked in the street because a 16-year-old IDF soldier with a gun wants me to for just any reason, for any arbitrary reason, because he w- because he can, because he has a gun. Okay, honestly, I'm starting to run out of time here. But, um, yeah, I probably shouldn't have taken so long talking about my work hang-ups. Th- that's the central thing about this movie. It's not about how Palestinians are helpless victims who just can't help themselves. It's This movie is about people, and particularly one person, who just wants to live in dignity and is so choked, so stifled by the world around him. Just, and Khalid just ends up just completely like lost and like exhausted while talking to these Germans because it's just, they just do not understand and aren't like, keep putting the onus on them at all times to come to the table with people that are just, just destroying them through, through bureaucracy, through this like, underlying just bureaucratic evil and then just the outright evil of them just coming into the town and just executing people it's like yeah this film is just so effective in conveying just this like low level despair this like it's like it's not even anger it's just like exhaustion because there's it's always there there's nothing they can do their leaders are powerless and nobody outside will help in any sense but these symbolic things like visiting them is the most that their city being visited is like considered like a radical act to the rest of the world when to them it's just meaningless it does nothing it helps no one so yeah i am running out of time and i don't really want this to drag on anyway but you know one of the most one of the really like devastating scenes in this movie i think i think shortly after this it's like I said, one of the best parts of the movie is how infrequently the fact that there's a camera there comes into play. Like, a few people will glance at the camera while they're filming, but it's very non-intrusive, the way that the camera work's done. Uh, but there's this one scene after this, after that uh, meeting with the Germans where Khalid is alone in his office just staring out the window. And the director, who's an American guy, David Ossoff, like, and he says, David, uh, do you think people in America know or hear about what's happening here? And David just says, I don't know, man. I don't think so. And he says, you know, despite everything we do here, I feel jealous of people other cities because there's so much they can do that we can't, not because we don't want to, but because it's out of our hands. It's just like, fuck, man. Like, (laughs) I get a lot of shit for talking about Israel. Like, most people think it's just like an edgy kind of leftist thing to do is talk about Israel and shit on Israel and whatever, but... Fuck, man, I don't, I don't want to make this out me. It's just, just watching this, even for this hour and hour and a half long movie. It is a tight ninety. That's to its credit. But I mean, God, watch this fucking movie, man. Like, there's a whole sequence at the end that I haven't talked about, and I'm not going to talk about uh, because you actually need to see it. But it really just hammers all this shit home. Um, I, I will say, towards the end, there's like another one of these Christmas shows that Khadid has, uh, you know, painstakingly choreographed. And the thing about it is, once you see what he has to go through just to get the bare minimum done for his people, you see just the terror these people live in. It's just, like, you get to understand that these small moments of excess, of, of, of just being allowed to be 
a cringy little guy who's maybe a little overexcited, a little flamboyant, a little uh, too excited about Christmas, maybe, as an adult. Um, yeah, it's like one of the few things these people can do to, to, to be like, we are still here. Like, these, these things are their dignity, that they can have fun. They will have fun. They will enjoy themselves however they can, just to prove that it's possible among all this horror. And yeah, that, that more than anything, makes this just a super effective movie, just like an enclosed story. It's, it's funny, it's tragic, it's touching. But the thing about it is, <laughs> it is a documentary. And it's like, these are real people, these are their actual lives, these aren't just characters. And like this guy, Khadid, he's still out there, he's still the mayor, and he's still going through this shit every day. And just watching them, I'm like, I don't know how people in this place get up in the morning. I don't know how they can stand living in... Full stop. I don't know how they can stand living. I don't... I'm not saying I'd kill myself if I was living there, but I'm saying I would I'd probably try to Naruto run at an Israeli checkpoint out of pure despair. Just like that guy from that god-awful Messiah series on Netflix. I'd, I'd strip naked while having hallucinations and try to rush the checkpoint, hoping that'll be the miraculous change that brings the two sides together. I would not last. Like, in that meeting with the Germans, like, when the staffer says, like, when the, the, the cabinet guy says, like, you know, we can go anywhere in the world. We can go to Canada, America, Australia, Germany, but we can't go to our own land 10 kilometers away. We can't go to our own land within eyesight of our house because these people are here and they just won't leave. And life gets worse and worse at every passing year. And all they can do is just stay and scrabble in the dirt knowing they could be wiped out at any moment or they're just going to have to leave their homes and go somewhere else. Like, God... I mean, that's why we should call Israel an apartheid state. That's why you should hate them with a fucking preoccupation. No pun intended. Uh, and this movie isn't trying to show you some, like, blood-boiling, rage-inducing fucking portrait of why you should take up arms. It. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still want, you know, Netanyahu's head on a fucking pike. I want every West Bank settler sent to that... Ned Flanders' re-education camp from the Treehouse of Horror episode and lobotomized into submission. I want Gal Gadot stripped of her wealth and made to become, like, the worst cage fighter in history. But that's just not what the movie's trying to do because the movie at its heart is just a portrait of a guy trying to have some hope, trying to allow other people to have hope when the rest of the world won't even look at him because looking at him and expressing sympathy with him is just a bit of a touchy subject among the worst scumbags in human history and their armies of enablers and end times evangelical idiots who donate money to the cause. Whew. But it's also a very funny movie. So, so yeah, watch this film, man. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm so keen on this movie, I'm actually going to tell you where to go to watch it. Alright, so, American listeners, you can rent or buy on Amazon, Vimeo On Demand, or iTunes, or if you're subscribed to the Criterion channel, you can stream it now. Uh, UK people, same again, rent or buy, Amazon, Google Play, whatever the hell Curzon Home Cinema is, iTunes, and YouTube. Australians, Kiwis, and people in most other places, go to dogwolf.com, it costs like $5 to rent it. And maybe you download a little free screen recorder, keep a copy for yourself. I'm not, I'm not saying that you should, but I'm also not saying that I didn't. And finally, Italians uh, can fuck off, as usual. <laughs> yeah. Haven't had a good Italian zinger for a few weeks. All right. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. I'm serious. Watch this fucking movie. It's worth the $5. Um, 
I think the next movie we're going to watch is going to be uh, The Accountant with Ben Affleck. A uh, heroic journey into how autism is actually a superpower, or is it just 128 minutes of ableism? We're going to find out right here on Willy Bin Drag Race. Cheers.